Is this working? It seems to be. Okay. Um, it's so great to be here this morning. I want to uh, echo that welcome to all visitors that are here. Um, thank, thank those of you that are online on the live stream. It's so great that you get to join in with us that way, even though we wish you could be here in person. Uh, it's, it's surreal being up here. Um, this is my first time getting to preach as an actual minister of the church and not just a visiting preaching school student. So I want to thank you guys for that opportunity for giving me um, such a great job, really a, a dream job, if you will. Um, this is such a great opportunity for me. And that's a concept I want to talk about this morning, the idea of dream jobs. When I say that, I think you know what I mean. Everyone has a dream job or they have at some point in their lives. We, all, we often ask children, um, what, is your, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say some pretty outlandish things. I don't think I've ever heard a kid say they want to be a garbage man or a plumber, but um, they often say things like an astronaut, a professional sports player. Those are jobs that they dream about having. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, um, up here is probably not where I wanted to be. I didn't necessarily want to be a minister. I was at Camp Rock Creek when I was about 11 or 12 years old, and I was walking up the, the big hill at Camp Rock Creek, and Mark Delisle was there. Um, for those of you that know him, he's an elder over at Central, and he was my counselor at the time, and he put his giant hand on my shoulder, and he said, Kyle, you are going to be a great preacher one day, because you just talk so much. And, and I said, Mark, you do not know what you're talking about. That is the furthest thing from the truth. You are never going to see me in a pulpit at a church, because I'm going to be too busy um, when I'm grown up. Because in the winter, I'm probably going to be in the NFL. I'm probably going to be a star quarterback. Um, in the spring and the summer, I'm going to be in the MLB. I'll be a star outfielder. So I'll be too busy for that. And then maybe in the fall, but I was thinking about joining the NBA at the same time. So I'm going to be way too busy to be a preacher. Don't ask me why I said NBA. I would never played basketball in my life up to that point. But that was my dream job. I wanted to be, I guess, the next Bo Jackson or something like that. I wanted to be a great sports player. Well, I'm sure you have a dream job, whether you're actually in that job right now um, or it's something that you hope to, something that um, you're working towards, that job that when the alarm goes off, you don't roll over and hit snooze and say, oh, five more minutes. You know, that job that you get out of bed and you're so excited for and you come home and you don't feel drained, you feel great because you've spent a day doing something that you love. Well, I don't know if you knew, but when you became a Christian, when you made that decision to be baptized, you received the greatest job that you've ever had. You got your dream job when you became a Christian. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, that's where we'll be for basically all of today. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We saw earlier on in chapter 28 verse 10, um, Jesus told some people to go tell the apostles to meet him. On, uh, somewhere in Galilee, it ends up being a mountain, as we see in verse 16. And so these 11 disciples are sitting there waiting for Jesus, and he, he comes up, they see him, they start worshiping. Some doubted him, which is perfectly normal. Um, a person that you'd walked around with, you saw him up on a cross, you saw him suffering, you saw him die. 
um, believing that he came back to life, that's pretty unbelievable. And so some of them doubted, but ultimately they worshipped him. And he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I love how Russ brought that out, because that is such an, an important verse. Jesus is saying, I have all authority. Not only here, not only over you, over all of heaven, every single being in heaven, all of the, the spiritual beings that are up there, he has authority over all of them. Over all of the earth, every creature, every animal, every single thing in this world, everything that's ever existed or ever will exist, Jesus has authority over it. I mean, that's something that is absolutely crazy. And he says, I have all authority. And then he gives a command. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus gives this great command. If we want to be good Christians, if we want to be good disciples of Jesus, we have to listen to all the things that he's commanded. And so this is one of those one of those commands. And so what I want you to see this morning from this command is that good disciples make disciples. Didn't know I put a transition on there. Sorry. Good disciples make disciples. That's something that we're going to look at. And so the first thing I want us to see when we look at this, we need to understand the command of Jesus. So I put the text up here and I'm going to highlight some words for you. So to begin, um, the first command he gives is the word go. In the English, go looks like a command for us. It looks like he's telling us to go and then to make disciples. Those are two different commands. Well, the word go here is actually, it would be called a participle. Um, it, it's an I-N-G word, even though they didn't translate it like that. The word go here isn't telling you that you need to be a missionary, that you need to go over to the middle of Africa and go um, make disciples over there. The word go really should be translated as you are going, as you're going. So you go places every single day. You go to the gas station, to the grocery store. You go to work. You go to a neighbor's house. Maybe you go across the hall in your own home. There's someone that needs to be a disciple. So as you are going, make disciples. That's our command. Make disciples is what Jesus is trying to get at here. That's what he's telling us to do. So therefore, as you are going, make disciples. So what does that mean? What does it mean to make a disciple? Making someone a disciple, it means you're helping someone become a student or a learner of something. A disciple is someone who follows, who believes in Jesus, but that's not good enough. To say you're a follower, to say that you believe in him, that's not all there is. Underlying this word is an idea of obedience. Underlying the word disciple here is actually, there's this idea of being an unconditional, committed follower of Jesus. So just saying you're a follower, saying I believe in him, that's not it. This is an unconditional commitment. So what does that look like, to be unconditionally committed to Jesus? Because everything in our lives today really has a condition. If I go to work, then I'll get paid. There's an if-then condition there. Everything's pretty conditional. So what do unconditional disciples look like? Well, um, from the first century to start out, an unconditional disciple was someone who, when the Romans came and knocked on their door and they asked, who is Lord?, they were people that instead of saying Caesar so the Romans would just go on their way, they would say Jesus is the Lord of my life. Even though they knew that that meant that they'd be dragged from their families, they'd be embarrassed publicly, and they would be burned alive. They knew that they would die for saying that. That is someone that is unconditionally committed to Jesus. They're willing to give up their own life to say that he's the Lord of their lives. An unconditional disciple might look like um, someone who would rather take 40 lashes then stop preaching about Jesus. How about from the book of Acts? An unconditional disciple is someone who sings songs of praises to God when they're sitting in a prison for being Christians, for preaching about Jesus. 
That's what an unconditional disciple looked like in the first century. And there's still some places today where it looks like that. Um, Lauren and I have a friend from Bear Valley named Leo. Um, He and his wife, Ting, came over from China and they studied the Bible. And um, they graduated back in May and they've been in China trying to evangelize the country. And they've run into some, some bad problems, some persecution because Christianity is illegal over there. There's still places like that in this world, and there's still disciples that, that look like that today. But here in America, we don't have that issue. So what does it look like to be unconditionally committed to Jesus in our 21st century America mindset? Maybe it's someone who um, gives people meals that will never be able to pay them back. Maybe it's someone that helps people in the church that aren't as well off, um, and they'll never be able to pay them back. Maybe um, this is going to be a tough one. Maybe a a 21st century uncommitted or completely committed unconditional disciple is someone who turns down a really good well-paying job because instead of planning the church around their life, they plan their life around the church. That's hard, but that's what someone who is unconditionally committed is going to do. They show by their words and their actions that they have the mind of Christ. That's been consistent throughout history. That is what an unconditionally committed disciple looks like and then he says there go therefore and make disciples of all nations anybody can become a disciple that's something that's so awesome whether it's a person across the street uh, across the hall across the country across the world Jesus wants all people to be his followers so how do we take someone um, think about someone right now maybe a friend a family member someone that you want to turn in to an unconditional follower of Jesus, how do you take them from maybe being an acquaintance of Jesus, maybe they know about him, to being an unconditional follower? They'll, they'll do anything for him. How do, you, how do you do that? Well, Jesus isn't going to hang us out to dry. He gives us this command, and then he's going to follow it with two participles to show us how we can make people into disciples. So to begin, we make people disciples by baptizing. Good disciples make disciples by baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So good disciples make disciples by baptizing. If you think about this in terms of your dream job, this is kind of like the orientation. The day that you show up and you watch videos and you learn what the job is all about, um, that's what baptism is. It's the very beginning of the job. When we talk about baptism, though, we need to understand the word baptism. The Greek word here is baptizo. Um, The word carries the idea of a ship being in a battle and being destroyed, and the ship sinks under the water. The ship is baptizoed. It is completely immersed by water. That's what baptized means. So why in our Bibles is, it, is there the word baptism instead of immersion? Well, um, long story short, um, the Catholic Church believed in sprinkling, and some translators of the Bible um, went to translate this word, and they said, we can't translate it immersion because we'll, we'll be killed by the Catholic Church. So instead, they came up with a whole new word. They took the Greek letters and translated them straight to English and made up the word baptize. And so that's where we're at. But baptism, baptizo, baptism literally means to immerse. But just going under the water, that's not the answer. Um, I want to turn you over to 1 Peter 3.21. You don't have to turn there in your Bibles. But it says, corresponding to this, baptism saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the flesh, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. See, it's not about when you go under the water, the dirt being removed. It's not about taking a bath and being completely immersed. Baptism is the moment that you appeal to God for a good conscience. Baptism is the moment that you look up to God and you say, God, 
I want you to take away my sins. I want the chasm between us to be completely um, destroyed. I want us to be right there with each other. I want to be yours. So baptism is the moment you appeal to God for a good conscience. Baptism is vitally important to becoming a Christian. And he says to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the name of means by their authority. It's like if you were at work one day and you were working really hard and your boss came up and said, I want you to take a 15-minute break. And maybe you said, ah, no, I, I still have work to do. That's okay. But they say, no, sit down and take a break. If you're sitting there and a coworker came up and asked, why are you taking a break right now? Why aren't you doing work? Your answer is, because my boss told me to. Jesus, um, he tells us here, go and make disciples baptizing by their authority. They told us to be baptized. The, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they all three have told us to be baptized. So their authority gives us that ability. So God gave us the authority to be immersed into Christianity um, so that we can become a disciple. And ultimately, so our sins can be forgiven, so our conscience can be made clean. So this is the very beginning. Good disciples make disciples by baptizing. The second participle in here is teaching. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So as you're going, make disciples by baptizing. And then secondly, by teaching. So good disciples make disciples by teaching. Thinking about this in terms of your dream job, this is the on-the-job training. This is when you really get in there and get your hands dirty because all of the instructional videos in the world aren't going to actually prepare you for what your job is really like. Christianity, is, it's not as pretty as maybe it looks sometimes from the outside. When you get in there, there's temptations every single day, and so it can be tough. So this is the on-the-job training. When we think about teaching, oftentimes what we think about is sitting down and having a Bible study and we teach about the life of Christ to someone. We teach them the importance of baptism. Um, we, we teach them that they need to be baptized to be saved. That's what we think of when we think of teaching. But um, notice back in this verse that this teaching comes after baptism. They've already been baptized earlier on in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is teaching that comes after. Baptism is only the, the beginning. It's not the end. Um, they need to learn. What do we need to teach them? They need to learn all the things that I have commanded you. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this shows that when you're baptized, you're not going to know every single command of Jesus. You're not going to know everything there is to know about Christianity. This is something that develops. You're going to have to learn how to be a better Christian. So what are some commands that new Christians need to be taught? Uh, maybe all of us need to keep them in mind as well. Matthew 5.16, shine your light. Don't hide your light. Don't let it be hushed out. Shine your light. That's a command of Jesus. Matthew 5, 21 through 30. Avoid anger and lust. Things that are so common in our world, but we're told as Christians we need to avoid them. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Love your enemies. How backwards is that to our world's thinking? But when you become a Christian, you're told you need to love your enemies. Love those who maybe are out to get you or who are against you. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Stop focusing on the things of this world. It's not about how many cars you have. Eventually, the rust is going to kick in, and that thing's going to be worthless. But what's in heaven is going to be permanent. So lay up those treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 25 through 30. Don't be anxious about the things going on in this world. There's lots of things to worry about, but Jesus said it's not anything that's more important than your soul. And then Matthew seven twelve, the golden rule. Do unto others what you want them to do to you. The golden rule. 
These are all commands of Jesus, and maybe you didn't know all of them when you were baptized. Um, Maybe you didn't understand that anger was wrong. You didn't know that teaching of Jesus, that if you're at the altar and you're offering a sacrifice and you realize that there's a dispute between you and one of your brethren, that as a Christian, uh, you need to leave that sacrifice. You need to go and you need to reconcile before you offer anything to the Lord. Now, that was for Jews offering literal sacrifices at the altar, but for us, Jesus doesn't want our worship if we're going to have issues with our brothers and sisters that we're worshiping with. He doesn't want us to come before him like that. He wants us to be in unity. He wants us to love each other. So now that you've learned that, maybe um, you, were, you were a Christian that, that was new that didn't know that. Once you learn that, you have to go and fix those problems that you had. So Christianity is going to develop. No one's going to be the perfect Christian the moment that they come up out of the water. It's going to take some time and some teaching, and we as Christians that, that have been here for a while, have to help those new Christians. There are plenty of other commands in the New Testament that we could have gone over, um, but these are some examples. And I want to challenge you um, through this week to read Matthew chapters 5 through 7. I think that those are some great commands that we need to help young Christians um, learn. And all that is is 20 verses a day. If you'll read 20 verses from Matthew 5 through 7 every single day, you'll finish it this week. Um, We need to reinforce some of those important commands. So good disciples make disciples by baptizing and by teaching. And then secondly in this text, there's another imperative. So he he has the command to make disciples. Well, there's a second command there in verse 20, to behold. What he says here, when he says behold, he's not saying to go and do something. He's saying, listen up. What I'm about to say is going to be super important. So he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. My first job growing up was at Marco's Pizza. I know that, that's a bit of a shift, but I, I worked at Marco's Pizza. Not my dream job by any means. Making pizza wasn't very fun, but I remember times when we would get swarmed. We'd have a ton of orders, and um, we'd be backlogged and everything, and I knew my boss. She was the one that had got me hired. I'd known her since I was a little kid, and I remember she'd come over, and she'd hop in and start helping us make pizzas. She didn't have to do that. Her job was to run the store to make sure that it was running smoothly, but she'd come and she'd help us do the work that we were supposed to do. Well, on top of having the best job ever, we have the best boss ever, a boss that's willing to get down and get dirty and help us work. So behold, he grabs our attention and he says, I'm always going to be with you. So Jesus is always going to be there. He's going to be ready and able to help his disciples to help follow through with this command to make disciples. How does he do that? He's not going to miraculously reach down and force someone to become a Christian. He's not going to twist someone's heart, but he gave us everything that we could ever need right here. He gave us a book. He gave us the manual to help people to become disciples. So good disciples make disciples. If you've gotten anything out of this lesson, I hope that it's that. If you want to be an unconditional follower of Christ, you need to follow this command and make disciples. Now, there are some people today that say that this command isn't for us. Um, they say that this was a command directly for um, the apostles and that it's not quite for us. But I want to point out to you that, say the apostles received this command and they followed through. They, they baptized people and they taught them to observe everything that Jesus commanded, right? This is another command of Jesus um, that we're supposed to, they were then supposed to do so on and so forth, all the way down to us. I hope you understand that, that this command is very relevant for us today. Good disciples make disciples by baptizing people, by immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by their authority, 
But then we continue to teach them. New Christians need to be nurtured. They need to be taught um, so that they can be ultimately sanctified. See, when we come through the door of Christianity and we're, we're justified, we're saved by grace, um, Jesus is still over there. We have a long way to go and a lot to learn before we're all the way over here constantly having the mind of Christ. So we need to help new Christians um, be, become sanctified, and we ourselves need to become sanctified. This really is the best job ever. Um, I hope that I've um, energized you to that fact. I hope that you're excited about it. This is the best job ever. We work for the best boss ever. I know it's not always easy to wake up for your secular job. Uh, maybe it's not always easy, whatever your day job is. But that day job isn't nearly as important as this life job that you have. So if you remember anything, good disciples make disciples. If you have a need this morning, um, we'd love to assist you in any way that we can. Uh, maybe you want to become a disciple. You're not a disciple yet. You're not an unconditional follower of Jesus. Um, we'd love to help you with that, to study, to pray with you, to baptize you if you're ready for that. Or maybe this morning um, you're already a disciple, but um, you're struggling in some way. Maybe you're stuck in sin. Um, maybe life just keeps beating you down. It's not easy for you. Uh, whatever it is, your church family would love to pick you up. We'd love to pray with you. Um, we'd love to support you and assist you however we can. If you have any needs this morning, you can come forward as we stand and as we sing.